and we are live. It is episode 29 today, and we have Austin Sandman on from Honk Stomper Guide Service out in Washington, Moses Lake, and we're just chatting about what it's like to be a goose hunter out in Washington and what it's like to hunt those big circle pivots and really just get a feel for what it's like in his terrain and how he uses pit hunting to his advantages when he can and how he's built such a team and how he really has built this as a business. Now, we really dig into a lot of stuff on if you're going to be a guide and if you want to run your own guide service on how to do it and some of the things you need to keep in mind along the way. So for young guys that are going into the grind and going into the guide service life and really thinking about, hey, I want to split off from the rest of them and start my own. This is a really great episode for you guys. And it's just really, we really dig into that and all about the guide service. So hope you guys enjoy. And we are live with episode 29 of Living the Guide Life today. And we have Honk Stomper Guide Service owner Austin Sandman. And they are out of Moses Lake, Washington, chasing geese all season long. Just had a big snowstorm out there yesterday we were talking about. And uh, should be getting good for the last couple of days out there. So how are we doing today, Austin? Good, good. Yeah, we... uh... We finally got a little snow, so I'm looking forward to the hunt tomorrow. Um, hoping the snow sticks around. Kind of happens like this sometimes late in the year. We get some snow, and then two days later, it's gone, and yeah. fields are soupy, soupy messes. So, <laughs> um, you know, hoping that it stays and the ground stays hard for a little longer. We have about six days left here. I think the last day is Sunday, so okay. um, yeah, we'll we'll be hitting it hard. I'm actually going to take tomorrow off and Wednesday off and do a little fishing, but, uh, oh, nice. yeah, it's, it should be fun. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a great year for us out here. Um, the weather, like you and I were talking about earlier, the weather has really played a factor in some yeah. of these hunts and, and we've had some very, very good days. And, uh, you know, the guide service as a whole has been well this year. Me personally, I think I've had more zeros than any of my other guides. <laughs> so I, I got zero last Wednesday and I was hunting a field that had a couple thousand geese in it. And uh, the next day I woke up and it was 55 and sunny and no wind. And, um, yeah, I kind of just knew if I wasn't in a pit line in the middle of a field with stuffed goose decoys, I was probably going to have a tough day. So. Yeah. That uh, was not very much fun, but um, it's been a great year. So I just I can't complain. I'm I'm really happy. You had one of my guys, Trevor, on the podcast a few weeks ago. And, yep. Um, you know he's he's been a huge help for me. He's been with me since 2011. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah. He's he's been through this all with us, and uh, it's been kind of cool to watch Hong Stomper grow and watch Pacific Calls grow and and kind of see where the company started because i mean honestly back in 2011 you know trevor and i were in college going to school at washington state university and trevor's making goose calls in his garage and i'm driving back from the fraternity back to moses lake every friday night to go (laughs) goose hunting every weekend and it was kind of a funny story i was pro staffing for uh, hardcore decoys 
Yeah. And um, Trevor was also pro savvy for hardcore decoys. And another guy out of uh, Tri Cities, his name's Thor. He was he was pro savvy. So we were all supposed to meet up at this sportsman show. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but for some reason, like no one could end up going. And so it turned into this deal where some random guys from like Idaho or somewhere had to end up going to it. And, and we all ended up not being able to go. Well, I was walking down Greek row like the next day and I see this guy in a hardcore sweatshirt and I'm like, Hey dude, sweet sweatshirt. He's like, yeah, man, you know, the company. And I was like, yeah, I'm on their pro staff. I was actually supposed to be at an expo yesterday with them. He's like, Oh yeah, me too. Let me guess your name's Austin. And I was like, yeah, are you Trevor? And we just like walked across the street and just shook hands. And, and literally ever since that day, we have been friends. And two weeks after that, he wanted to come hunt here. So I said, yeah. And then we kind of started and, um, I had already had the guide service going, but it was just me at the time. So he, you know, wanted to get into guiding at that time. He hadn't been guiding at all. He'd just been hunting and making calls. Yeah. So he tossed me one of his calls and I blew it. It was a duck call. It was a Pacific Calls ITF. And I still have the call. It's my best duck call. It's <laughs> one of the only duck calls that we made by hand. Um, and it just, it sounds super good. I had a client from California offer me 300 bucks for it. And I was like, yeah, sorry, man, this call is not for sale. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny how stuff like that works. You know, I, I've seen this guy around campus a couple of times, but I never knew who he was. And then, you know, I just saw the hardcore logo and, and uh, lo and behold, now here we are, you know, 10, 11 years later and, and still best friends and, and doing this whole guy thing. So, um, you know, it's been a fun 10 years. There's definitely been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, people see guiding as um, like the greatest job in the world. And in some days it is. Yeah. But there's also the days that a lot of people don't talk about, whether that be the days that you get zeroed, the days that you show up <laughs> to your field and someone else is in your field, you know, but yeah. you have permission and these guys don't but they're not guides they're just regular weekend guys and you go up to talk to them and they're like oh we have permission we have permission so what do you do do you wake up the farmer at 4 a.m and risk losing <laughs> your lease or do you just say okay you have it today and then call the game warden or call the farmer at eight and let them go handle it yeah you know there's there's a whole bunch of stuff i mean literally just trying to find the right insurance policy for your guide service to fit your needs making sure your employees all have their certifications and, and everything they need and making sure all the gear is ready all the time doing inventory and taxes and all this stuff that people really probably don't think about because they just think it's more about hunting than it is about actually running a business but at the end of the day it's still a business and so yeah. there still is the hr side of things i mean dealing with clients that maybe didn't have a good hunt or you know, guides are humans too. Sometimes the guide wakes up and maybe he's not in the best mood and, and he's not a good personality that day. And the guys just, the, the clients don't enjoy it as much. And, and then I got to play kind of, you know, PR and try to make things better. And uh, there's just a lot of things that people don't think about when it comes to guiding. Everyone just sees the pile picks. And again, it's not even about pile picks. I just had a hunt the other day with a very nice dad and his two sons. The one was 10 and the other one was 15. Yeah. And, you know, we only killed five ducks, but those kids had the most fun of their life. Their dad was letting them shoot at everything that came in. And I mean, it was just a great hunt. And it, it, it was nice for me because 
you know, being the owner of this and having to deal with some of those PR problems and HR stuff can kind of get to you after 10 years and you get a little burned out. I mean, if you talk to enough guides, what you have, you'll hear people say, you know, oh, I'm getting burned out. And so it's always nice to have a group like that, that really just kind of brings back like, hey, this is why I'm doing this is to, you know, see these kids get their first bird. Or I took a, a woman the other day that had never been hunting and she had her hunting license and she told me, you know, I've been reaching out to people to take me hunting, but no one will take me because I'm a single girl and no one will go. And so I take her, she shoots her first and second duck. And, oh, yeah. And then she ends up getting her husband into hunting. And, you know, that's super cool. That's what, to me, that's what this job's about. It's about getting people out there, letting them experience, you know, hunting and, and not only harvesting an animal, but literally these people wanted to learn you know so it's cool i'm teaching them knowledge i'm teaching them about decoy spreads i'm teaching them about wind direction about blinds about cover and then about you know calling and and uh so that's what's fun for me is being able to deal with new clients and then you build these relationships with these people and they end up being more than just clients end up being your friends over time right so like i had clients from 10 years ago and those guys are my buddies. Well, they still pay to come hunt, but they invite me over for Thanksgiving sometimes, or, or they'll invite me over for one of their birthday parties. And, um, you know, that's what it's about, just making friendships and and uh, just trying to have a good time, really. I mean, if you end up limiting out, that's great, but it's not always about the limits. Oh, I'm with you on that, brother. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just really kind of teaching them the way and showing them goose hunting is more than just killing a goose. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at tour guides, for example, I mean, they're out, they're out there to teach you about wherever you're going. So if you take a tour guide, let's say Hollywood or whatever, they're going to show you everything. They're going to teach you everything about Hollywood. And that's kind of the same way that, um, guides for goose hunting kind of should be doing the same thing just teaching teaching people that don't know about the area about how to really get a goose and all that kind of good stuff yeah yeah and I think there's a lot of really great guys out there that do a really good job and uh, you know kudos to those guys for doing it the right way and uh, you know really showing people how to do it the right way because it's pretty easy to do it the wrong way you know i see a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people on the internet and stuff you know always jabbing at each other and and trying to get the old facebook wars going it's like (laughs) that that stuff just turns me off man i'm I'm like that's not even yeah that's not what this should be and and i find myself not wanting to be on you know certain facebook pages or waterfowl hunting forums just because i'm like hey you know some of these guys don't even know what they're talking about and they want to sit there and trash talk everyone and it's like i i don't know man i just don't have time for that and and in my opinion that's not professional especially if you're an outfitter you don't want to be getting online and talking trash so um yeah but i mean that's honestly like facebook man in my opinion has like kind of ruined hunting same with like you know some of these apps that show you the land it's super cool but like coming from me okay so i'm i'm from moses lake there's probably thirty-five thousand people in this town all yeah. right and farming is the big deal here okay. so eastern washington is the second most productive agricultural area next to california 
And so people don't realize how many crops we grow in eastern Washington. We have center pivot overhead irrigation, so we have a lot of rivers and lakes and reservoirs here. And then all of our pivots are circles, right? So yeah. the field hunting is a lot different. It's not like out in the Midwest and stuff where some of these guys are hunting huge parcels of land, you know, five, 600 acre dryland cornfields. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen here. You know, <laughs> you're hunting a 130 acre circle, and chances are the geese are all going to one or two circles. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a little easier sometimes to find them, but at at the other side of that, sometimes if they're all going to one circle, they're all going to one circle. And if you don't have permission on that, you're kind of like, oh, man, it might be a traffic day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we we have a large area. Um, we cover probably almost all of central Washington from the north all the way down to about Basin City. So okay. we, start, we start up above Grand Coulee Dam and work our way down and i mean a lot of hunts are ran out of moses but we run a lot of hunts up north and a lot of hunts down by othello and and basin city which is about 35 minutes south of moses lake and uh you know we've acquired properties over time and and that's a thing i could tell people too is that you know just because a landowner tells you no once or twice or 10 times doesn't mean that you can't keep asking them in the right way yeah. There's a way to ask people to hunt, and it's not calling a farmer at 8 o'clock at night 10 times in a row because that will never get you permission, <laughs> you know? It's, it's, uh, it's you got to be a salesman. You have to sell yourself, and you have to sell the idea that, hey, we want to try to hunt your land with other people from out of this area. Yeah. And, you know, that can be a challenge in itself because – nowadays people want to sue everyone for everything so you know you have to have clients sign waivers of liability yeah you have to make sure that your waiver covers the farmer you have to make sure that your waiver covers your guides and covers your own butt because you don't want to get sued if something happens yeah and uh so that's another challenge that a lot of people don't realize with guiding because you know if you're just a regular hunter there's really no liability for a farmer he's letting you go hunt you're not gonna there's no money exchanged it's it's kind of just a handshake deal right but once money gets exchanged everything kind of changes yeah and so um it just makes things very different once you start getting into the guide life versus weekend hunting Mm -hmm. you know there's it's like like i tell people all the time the difference between being an outfitter guide versus just being a weekend warrior is like Let's say this coming weekend, I already have booked clients from California two months ago, and they're coming. And two days before the hunt, all of a sudden the roost freezes and these birds leave. Well, it's too late for me to cancel the hunt, right? Like, they're coming. They're already on the plane. So I have to go around and try to find fields or find a traffic spot and make it work. And that's the difference. The guys that don't guide and aren't out there every weekend don't have to deal with stuff like that. They can just sit at home find one field that's loaded up let it sit there for two weeks and then go shoot it yeah we don't have that luxury if these go in our field we need to shoot them now because one we don't want them eating out the crop right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and two they might not be there that's the thing people think oh they'll be there they were there yesterday and the day before and the day before that well yeah they might have been there for three days in a row but on the fourth they're moving to a new field because they (laughs) made all the food out of there yeah 
And so sometimes it's cool to let fields sit, but honestly, for me, if we got geese in there, we're going to go hunt it. That's yeah. just, just how I roll. And, and, uh, you know, I had a group of clients get mad at me last weekend because I had a flock of about a thousand lessers come out and land in our field and, and we're circling us, vortexing us. And over here, it's not like Texas or Colorado or anything like that. We don't have 300, 400,000 lessers in this area. Yeah. We might get 20,000. And so if I got, you know, one twentieth of those birds in my spread, it's probably not a good idea for me to shoot into that and educate <laughs> all those birds, right? Yeah. And so sometimes trying to explain that to clients is tough because they're not looking at it from my point of view where I'm like, hey, I need to try to save some of these fields or, or I don't want to shoot into this many birds because we still have two weeks of the season left and I really don't want to screw it up for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, you know, that's, like I said, at the end of the day, this is a business, right? And so sometimes they don't like that. You know, it's hard to be controlled when there's a thousand birds circling you and you want to just shoot every single one of them, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's kind of some of those things that people don't think about that we deal with or go through. And, you know, I feel bad for some of the clients when that happens. It's just bad luck, but it's not good hunting practices to educate that many geese. Yeah. And, uh, that's how we're able to keep the hunting decent here is by not doing that and don't get me wrong there's times when like let's say october or november when it's early in the migration sure we might shoot into a big flock but in december no you know late december early january middle of january probably not going to happen yeah because we're trying to keep it fresh but now like with it being the last week you know if i went out tomorrow and a flock of thousand came in i probably let my guys blast them yeah but it's all kind of just a time and a place and and uh you know another thing out here is a lot of times you're hunting right next to another outfitter mm. and so we all kind of have an unspoken truce about just not doing that yeah you <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do it and then have you know all these outfitters out here we're all buddies i mean back in the day i used to look at some of these guys as my competition and be like oh man that guy got that field dang it and and now it's like we kind of all work together and um, you know, I've traded some fields with some guys. I mean, I've even needed help before and, and had another guy that has his own deal come guide for me for a day because I didn't have any help and, and I needed help, you know? So yeah. it's always nicer to work with your other guides than uh, try to fight them. And that's just one thing I've learned over the last 15 years of doing this is that, you know, you don't always look at everyone as your competition. Sometimes you're in the same industry, but that doesn't make yourselves like rivals, you know? Yeah. So once I got that out of my system, things seemed to just kind of fall in place easier. And, um, you know, you form some new relationships with some guys and, and it just makes things a lot smoother. I mean, heck we just had Trevor went down to Texas this last week, brought us back some sandhill cranes that he hunted, which I was super jealous. He's down there in Texas <laughs> in the warm weather, and I'm up here freezing and hunting <laughs> birds that are stale and uh, getting zeroed, right? Like, that was that Wednesday I was telling you about where I got zeroed, and I had a field with a couple thousand, and I'm watching Instagram, and they're just whacking cranes, and I'm like, gosh, dang it. I should have just not even booked hunts because I could be in Texas now, you know? Yeah. But, uh, brought up this crane man and i tell you what if you've never tried sandhill crane and people call it the what the prime rib of the sky and yeah. I, it is no exaggeration yeah it does not taste like a bird it literally tastes like beef i mean it was incredible 
Yeah, no, it's... Have you ever had Sandhill Crane before? I had it, so I tried it for the first time this year because we went and chased... Uh, so in the northwest corner of Minnesota, you can go shoot two cranes um, a day, and my buddies up in Bemidji up there, they chase them a little bit, not super hard, but... If they're hunting a goose bread, I mean, the cranes usually feed together and they'll come, uh, come lock into the goose spread. So we shot, we shot quite a few uh, cranes up there, and I was able to eat those. And dude, they are so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of skeptical at first because when we were processing the meat, I noticed it's real dark. Yeah. And so I kind of thought it would be like goose, you know, really dark and just. Kind of had that gamey taste, but my gosh, it was delicious. <laughs> I'm going, uh, we get a lot of sand hills here, but we can't shoot them. We need to have a season here now because <laughs> those suckers were tasty, man. Yeah. Yeah, they are very good. I mean, we, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, we get a bunch of cranes down south in Minnesota as well, but that for some reason, they only have a season for them in the northwest corner. That's crazy. Yeah, it's super weird i mean they get we'll get feeds of like i don't know 200 but then we'll go up there to bemidji and there's like feeds of like 700 cranes and so i get i get that portion of it but still like why not have a season all uh all along the state yeah i mean yeah we have the numbers for them just let a couple guys go up there and shoot some even if it's just one a day or something yep yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes these rules and regulations don't really make sense to us, and I'm not really sure if they even think about what they're doing before they make them, but <laughs> we just got to follow them and hope that the birds come out. I mean, like, you know, the best thing is, is the shooting light. So here, like right now, shooting time yesterday was 440. Oh, and, wow. Um, 440 a.m.? 4.40 p.m. Oh, p.m., p.m., okay. So it was like 7.10 a.m. to 4.40 p.m. Yeah. But at 7.10, it's like almost pitch black out. <laughs> and then at 4.40 in the afternoon, you could still see everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's probably 20,000 ducks in this area. That's the thing. We have a lot of ducks here, and we have a lot of Canadas. Yeah. We, we get a lot of snows at certain times. But it's mainly Canada's and mainly ducks here. Okay. And of our ducks, we get a lot of pintails, mallards, and widgeons, um, and and greenwing teal. Yeah. Uh, and that's just over here, like in the little ponds and stuff. But if you go hunt like the big water and go hunt the Columbia River, um, it's intense. I mean, you can shoot cans, redheads, bubbleheads, all kinds of divers, all kinds of puddle ducks. I mean, you could literally get probably 25 or 30 of the species of ducks right here in washington state in one weekend if you really tried oh wow so it's pretty cool and, and people it's kind of funny i went back and hunted colorado with these with this guide service um last pass outfitters if you're ever in colorado i'd highly recommend going with those guys yeah. um guy named jd hernandez great guy uh his partner luke also great guy um we had so much fun we hunted with those guys for four years in a row and and we're goose guides that hunt Canada geese, and we're going and booking guided trips to hunt more Canada geese. Because, like I said, we don't get the big grinds of lessers here like they do. And so yeah. we uh, wanted to stir and just hunt and have some fun. And they were telling us we limited all in geese the first day in like 30 minutes. And oh, so I was talking with Luke, and I'm like, hey, do you guys have any duck hunting out here? Oh, we got a few down in the river. We can go down and hunt one of our of our blinds. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, here when we say the river, it normally means like 
let's get the boat, get the life vest, you know, we yeah. have 20 foot jet boats out here that are made for fishing, like big boats, not little ones. Yeah. And uh, so he tells me we're going to the river. So I get in the truck with Trevor and um, they had one extra pair of waders. So, cause we were coming for geese. We were not coming for ducks. We did not bring duck hunting stuff. Yeah. So they had one extra set of waders. So Trevor throws the waders on. He has to carry me across this, what I thought was a creek. And uh, we go to this blind and I'm like, so where's the river? And they're like, well, you're looking at it. And I'm like, this thing is like five feet wide and like two feet deep. This is a creek, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just pretty funny trying to explain to them because they had never, well, JD had heard of the Columbia River, but they had never really like the other clients that were with us had never been to Washington. And so I'm like, man, if you guys want to see big water, you need to come out to Washington State and go to check out the Columbia River. It's massive. It's, it's a beast of a waterway. I mean, there's lots of boats that have sank and lots of lives have been lost duck hunting out there. But it is a phenomenal place to hunt. And, and if you've never seen uh, the Columbia River Gorge, I mean, it's something to see. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so where's the Columbia River like compared to Moses Lake? Is that pretty close so to it, you guys? It then? literally wraps all the way around us. So okay. it's west of Moses Lake, about 35 miles, and then it ends up going all the way around Moses Lake and dipping down south. About an hour and a half south of Moses Lake is Tri Cities, and it goes right through downtown Tri Cities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it goes pretty much from. Astoria, Oregon, all the way up the Washington, Oregon border, and then cuts up to the north at Tri-Cities, and then comes up and follows north and goes all the way up through some towns like Wenatchee, and there's a little town called Brewster, and it goes all the way up to the Grand Coulee Dam, and uh, behind the Grand Coulee Dam is called Lake Roosevelt, which is just a massive body of water. Um, but yeah, that aren't from here don't know, but we, we have brought all the water in here. Oh, really? There used to not be a bunch of water out here, but we've taken the water from the Columbia River and made a system of canals and all these reservoirs and stuff now, and so all of our irrigation water for farming comes directly from the Columbia River. Okay. And so it's pretty cool because we're only using less than 3% of the total flow from the river right now, so we have a lot of water to work with. Jeez, only 3%. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I only know weird facts like this because I'm a potato farmer, so I kind of am into weird stuff like that that people probably think are nerdy. But I'm all about bucks and water because that's my life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. No. I'm. Uh, I'm with you on that. We got some. We got the Mississippi that runs through, or we hunt, and uh, we'll hunt that on occasion when it gets late in the year. We'll go chase uh, big geese on the sandbars and stuff like that out on the mississippi or minnesota and then uh i wish we had more better small creek hunting like they do um down in like kansas and stuff like that that'd be pretty sweet to go try that out yeah that's one thing man is like i've noticed being in this guiding deal now for a while i mean i started guiding when i was 14 so that was back in like 2006 and uh you know, I started guiding for a smaller company um, called North Flight Waterfowl out of Moses Lake, and they're still running. Those guys are great guys. Shane Moon, Ben Holton, those are two of the original guys right there. And uh, they were actually just here at my house last weekend with Trevor Eaton Crane with us. Oh, um, nice. So that's what I'm talking about, where it's cool where you can 
you know, I learned from those guys when I was a kid and now here I am, you know, yes, we're competition, but we're all still friends. And yeah. so it's super fun to have them come over and we can all talk trash to each other. You know, oh, you only got 10 birds. Ha ha ha. Or, oh, I watched you shoot into that flock and your guys couldn't hit crap. And uh, it's just, it's cool to just talk trash. But yeah, I really owe a lot to to Ben and, and Shane and all those guys at North Flight because that's kind of where I got my start. And then... Um, I used to help out a company over here called Eagle Lakes, and they're another really large guide service. I mean, they're probably one of the bigger ones in the whole West Coast. Okay. And they have just phenomenal duck hunting. And I'm talking world-class duck hunting. Um, and so it was really cool to be able to learn from some of those guys and, and take some of that knowledge and apply it to some other stuff. And, and now I have my own duck properties, and and we're constantly trying to make them better. And, uh, you know, it's nice to just be able to – learn from other people and then continue to grow as a hunter yeah and, and and even more than that just continue to grow as a person i mean i've learned a lot from these guys not just about hunting but about just you know building relationships with people or or building up a good guide service i mean i don't want to sound like we're the best or whatever but like i have you know probably in my opinion some of the best guides working for me here and and I've had a lot of people hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and want jobs. And honestly, it's hard to get a job here because I will be the first person to tell you that I run this place pretty tight. Like I'm, I'm pretty strict on certain things and uh, I'm probably not the easiest to get along with from time to time when things aren't going our way and, and I get frustrated. And I just really am thankful that I have a good crew of guys that, that can help me. And, um, you know, I mean, some of these all these guys are my friends, right? And yeah. so a lot of people are worried about mixing the business relationship with the friendship. But as long as you're able to talk and and still put the BS aside, you can you can accomplish the goals, right? And so it's been nice to have my best friends here working for me because we are all on the same page. I mean, it's literally gotten to the point where some of my clients don't even know that I own the guide series. I mean, you would be shocked how many people think that Trevor owns Long Stomper Guide Service? Tons. Mm -hmm. There's people that think my other guide, Ashton, owns it. Some people think my guide, Cody, owns it. I mean, I take people all the time and they ask me like, oh, how's your boss, you know, the owner of this? And, and, I, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, I'm the owner. And they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't even know. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some guys might get mad at that, but that just means, in my opinion, that we're doing it right. If, if no one knows who the owner is, that means everyone's running it the right way how I want it ran and it's working. Right. And so yeah. I think we have a great crew and it's just nice because like we've all been able to get older. So like my guide Ashton, he's got two boys now and a third boy on the way. And so his oldest boy Hunter is like six years old now or five years old. And he wants to come on every single hunt with us. So it's like, we got a free bird dog for Ashton now because little Hunter <laughs> wants to run and get every bird. And uh, it's pretty funny yesterday, Ashton had him out there and, we were, I was hunting a field about a mile or two away from Ashton, but I could see him and he could see where I was. Yeah. And I was watching about 80 birds go down on him and 40 of them lit in the decoys and they called the shot and I saw a bunch of them fall. And then I was kind of waiting to see this little ball run out there and he didn't come running out. And I was like, what the heck? Well, Ashton told me later that his son was sleeping in the blind and slept through the whole volley and everything <laughs> and, uh, and then he had to wake him up and was like hey you gotta go get these birds man and he ran out there and started fetching them but you know that's that's cool but yeah I, I think we got a really good crew here and and uh 
that's what it's about, man, is just knowing that you can trust your guides. And then my guides aren't afraid to even tell me when I have a wrong idea, right? Yeah. So there's there's good ways to approach it. And, and it's nice because we can all talk and try to figure out a plan. And um, there's a lot of teamwork involved. I mean, I tell my guys all the time, like, we are team players. We're all here for the same reason. We're all here to accomplish the same goal. So if we can get that through everyone's head, and and not have so much me or I and more of us and we, we will be fine. Yeah. And and that's the thing that like I think waterfowling kind of does to people sometimes is people get selfish, and and you know want to go to that field and don't care if it's someone else's field or will do whatever they can to get that bird right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's just it's plain and simple. It's not worth it, and uh, there's right and wrong ways to do things. And, and most of the time, in my experience, when I've done things the right way, or or if like I've had a situation where I could, yeah, maybe do something, or I could take the high road. When I've taken the high road, karma has came back in my favor later. Yeah. So, you know, just always doing the right thing is is key. And then, um, you know, it makes it fun when you have a crew like we have here. We're all, you know, 31 to 20. Well, I think Trevor Bennett's my youngest guide, which I don't know if you've talked to him yet or not, but he's kind of a traveling guide. Yeah. He's 22, yeah. so he's probably my second youngest guide. I got another guy named Tyson Beaumont that's at Montana State University right now, um, and he guides for me when he's back, and I think he's 19. So it's cool that I got a couple young guns coming up because that gives me hope that we can keep this going, you know? And, uh, and that's honestly the end goal for me is like, I would love to see this thing still be going, you know, 20, 30 years from now when, when my kids are, are grown and it would be so awesome to see like Ashton's son. And if Trevor has kids, Trevor's son, and, you know, have us with all our kids and keep running this thing. Cause that's ultimately the goal. I mean, when I started this, I was not looking to be a hunting guide. I only started guiding because I couldn't get on my neighbor's fields anymore because people were guiding out there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I never had any plans of being a hunting guide. Honestly, I just had always hunted, um, and was felt like I was decent at it. And so then when I, you know, took on the whole, um, I wouldn't even call it a guide. When I was 13, 14, I would get picked up at the gas station by the guide and then get dropped off. And I would brush all the blinds and put out all the decoys. And then he would go and get the clients and come back. And then we'd hunt and I'd get to hunt, you know, and I'd get paid like 75 bucks a day. Yeah. And I thought that was like the greatest thing in the world. Right. Oh, absolutely. now, Now I'm the runner, the owner. And, and, uh, you know, I really, back in the day didn't really appreciate that stuff but now looking back it's like man i wouldn't even be where i am today if it wasn't for that stuff yeah so it's really cool to just see where things have came i mean it's kind of funny no one knows how to blow a flute call anymore (laughs) we were just we were just messing around the other day um because i'm trying to get pacific calls to make a flute because i think i'm like the only one at our guide service that can still blow a flute and i just think i think they're kind of making a comeback you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i i threw a flute to all my guides and 
literally no one could make it honk except for me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking like Trevor owns a call company. This yeah. guy's a world-class caller, and he can't even make it freaking break over. And, and I just started laughing. Like, see, this is the problem. You guys have lost your touch. You got to get back in with your inner goose, man. You can't forget the basics. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, now it's, it's super cool but yeah so minnesota so do you do a lot of uh ice fishing up there or what do you do when you're not hunting so yeah we'll do uh do some good ice fishing around where i'm at there's uh quite a few good lakes that we can go catch some big crappies and stuff on but honestly for me like i love uh i love trying to go shoot coyotes oh right like, on that's my that's my thing that i've been trying to do the past like two winners now and then well, you uh, need to come out this way man i'll get you on all the coyotes you possibly want to kill <laughs> we have a lot of them like they are they are everywhere yeah and so uh i just picked up a new ar for coyote hunting and now i got that to try to unload a couple clips on them so that's what that's what we do for fun when uh the goose season kind of comes to an end right on yeah we uh We'll go straight from Canada season is ending here and duck season on the 31st of this month. Yeah. And then we have a veterans slash youth hunt on February 6th, I want to say. It's like the second weekend of February. Okay. And that's just a one-day hunt for active duty military veterans and youth. And so we'll guide for that. And then February 13th is the start of our late snow season. Mm. And... Uh, it's not a conservation season. There's really no different rules or anything. I mean, we can only shoot three shells. It's all steel. You have to have your plugs in. No electronic calls. No electronic decoys. Uh, it's literally just the late season for snow geese. And so it's cool because we never had snow geese here growing up. I mean, I've been hunting here since, you know, 2004, 2005 was when my dad started taking me out here in moses and i've lived here my whole life and we if we shot one snow goose it was cool like, yeah that was a big deal and now i have another trailer full of snows you know <laughs> went from never hunting them to now owning thousands of decoys and chasing those suckers everywhere and um you know out here we don't hunt like everywhere else i mean if you've never been to washington state then it's really hard to explain to people because after i've hunted around other places and seen other flyways and stuff like people think we're crazy for a only throwing like 80 full body decoys b taking them enough time to skin our dead geese and then stretch those skins over decoys and make literally stuffed goose decoys people think we're crazy for doing that huh. but the geese here are super super smart like yeah. they are not dumb you cannot go out and lay in the decoys here and not be hidden and shoot birds it just doesn't happen and if it does then you are the luckiest son of a gun and you had <laughs> just the conditions were right and they wanted to be in that field but i'm telling you man like i had out 120 stuffed geese in a pit in the ground in the middle of the field beautiful pit not seen at all and i had seven flocks circle me three times all day long and never land and then go over to where, where i had a field with five decoys that were frosty and land on those five decoys <laughs> so, you know i was i i always kind of argue with some of my guys because some of them 
they they like to go hunt down in the southern areas where yeah. all these lessers are you know and down there not knocking it it's cool right they're they're hunting in thousands of silhouettes and socks that's just not my style man and up yeah. here there's no need i mean if the geese are coming in right and they're locked and the feet are down why blow your call yeah what is the point of that yeah and i just i've seen a lot of videos on instagram of people you know calling 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 geese are trying to land and they're calling and calling and calling and you can literally watch the geese go down and then pick back up and start going away and then they call the shot and yeah. it's like if you would have just shut up and let the geese come in and taking them when they were coming in instead of letting like three or four land and then jumping up and flying away and then calling it you probably would have shot a ton more yeah and so just seeing the difference in hunting styles is very interesting to me so it's like I watch all these videos of these guys decoying birds in Kansas, let's say, over all these thousands and thousands of decoys, but they're covered in snow and the geese are lighting at 70 yards and they're taking pass shots. And, you know, I, I mean, that's cool. You're killing birds. But for me, I would much rather decoy like five geese all day at 10 yards on a pit and yeah. kill all five and and really fool yeah. you know that's for me that's like when when you can get them to come in that's the reward right there the the kill is a bonus but just getting them to decoy and getting them to work is the best yeah and uh you know i guess guys think that lessers need a lot of calling and a lot of decoys and i'm here to tell you you don't need to do that we kill cacklers we kill lessers we kill every type of goose up here and we don't do that that's just that we don't do it it's just it doesn't it doesn't happen here and there's two reasons one i don't want to do it <laughs> you know there's too many decoys and it's too much work and i mean i'm talking you know these guys are out there the night before putting out decoys oh yeah well we get frost here you know it freezes every night so we can't do that because your decoys will look like icicles out there and they'll be <laughs> shining like crazy and sparkly and the geese don't like that so we pretty much have to set all of our stuff in the morning yeah and setting 5,000 decoys when you only have an hour to do it and the clients don't want to help is impossible <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's the number one reason why i don't want to do it and also number two i don't want the geese to be educated to that yeah because the the times that we do do it because there's every once in a while don't get me wrong we'll take the texas tactic and we'll hammer it yeah but it has to be the right conditions here it's not like down there where every day you know i have a guy that works down there and and he just he straight up tells me man the geese up here are different it's just a different world yeah and uh i think it's super cool hunting in all those decoys and it's super fun because you don't really need to be hidden as much you know lots of times you just lay there in white suits in the decoys and you hammer them but um you know there is time and a place for everything and i guess that's what i've learned over the years is is that there's a time and a place for everything literally everything because i will be the first to tell you i'm not a fan of silhouettes like i yeah. hate them they shine in the sun they're a 2d deal like there's a reason why people went to full bodies and they still work don't get me wrong like if i was a packing hunter then i can see the benefit of it right because yeah. you're walking in but for me I drive right up to my pit. I drive right up to the edge where I'm going to hunt. You know, we're driving into all these spots. So yeah. it just, sometimes it makes sense. Like, I mean, the other day, Ashton and I hunted in a snowstorm. I threw out 150 days Smith honkers. And within two hours, they had three inches of snow on their back. And we had three flocks come in and flare and didn't want to land. So 
I made the decision, okay, I'm gonna go get the trailer, we're gonna pull all these decoys, and we're gonna throw like 30 dozen silhouettes. Yeah. So we burned like three more flocks while we were resetting up, but after we got set up and the snow was still falling, the geese came in because the silhouettes don't, uh, they don't hold snow. The snow doesn't stick to them. Yeah. And so that's where it's nice to have that stuff when you need it. You don't always have to throw it, but it's nice to have it when you need it. Oh, I couldn't agree more, yeah. I mean, you just got to switch up the tactics if the weather conditions are kind of there and not yeah. in your favor. Yeah, and exactly, and that's like people, I think, could have more success in other flyways if they would switch up their tactics. Yeah. Like, I just, I know there's guys that run the same spread every day, and they run 5,000 geese every day or 5,000 socks every day, and, you know, those birds over time get used to that, so... I would just love for a guy to try just throwing 24 full bodies one day. You know, if you're on an X where the birds want to be, just try throwing 24 decoys and see what happens. Or just throw a smaller spread. Maybe don't throw 200. Maybe only throw 80. Yeah. And and check it out because sometimes it works. And when it does, it seems to be times like this where the birds are real finicky. They've been getting shot a lot. They've seen everything and everyone's been running the same stuff. Everyone's running, you know, 12, 13 dozen full bodies. Those are the days where you can do the dirty dozen is what we call it. And you just take your 12 best honker decoys, space them way out and make them in little family groups. And for whatever reason, man, the honkers really like that. Even some of the lessers will come into that in the late season. And I think it's just because they're so used to getting blasted over massive spreads. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, we uh, when we spring snow goose hunt like last year, for example. I mean, we threw out fifteen hundred socks and they hated it. And then you throw out two hundred full bodies and then they just eat it up. And it's like yeah. you just yeah. gotta gotta really think about what they're seeing the entire flyway up. They're seeing fifteen hundred to two thousand socks every which way, and you throw a little smaller full body mix and they're not used to that yep and that's sometimes all it takes and the deal is you got to have the cojones to try it yeah that's one thing i noticed a lot of people don't have the balls to put the decoys away and go for it Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you're a hero or you're a zero especially being a guide like i've put out 12 decoys before or 18 decoys and had my clients go what the heck are you doing (laughs) like these geese aren't even gonna see us and i'm like oh no trust me it's gonna be good and we limit right and they're like blown away and then i've had other hunts where I, I was like, there's 500 honkers in this field. I'm only going to throw 20 honker decoys. And I throw 20 honker decoys and 10,000 lessers come out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is gay. I could have I thrown, you know, a thousand decoys today and I probably would have hammered them, but I tried to target the honkers and the honkers never flew. Yeah. And I, all I got was lessers. So like I said, <laughs> you got to be willing to try it. That's, you got to have the big enough cojones to actually try it because everyone gets comfortable in their ways and doesn't want to try new stuff and so that's the biggest deal is just trying to try something different that no one's doing because sometimes that's what it takes i mean i know a guy that is so hardcore his name's connor and he's with tangle free and this guy is probably one of the most hardcore guys i've ever met because i'm talking like i don't go duck hunting by myself that's just not my style yeah uh i just never have done it it's just not fun for me but this guy is all about it dude i mean he is literally like he is one of the most hardcore waterfowlers i've ever met 
But this guy takes it to another level, man. He takes it as far as he goes out and studies birds and watches them and figures out what they're doing. And, I mean, the guy is literally trying things that no one has tried. The other day I saw him post a picture of him wearing a white suit hiding behind a swan decoy and he limited on mallards and i asked him about it and it made a lot of sense and he goes dude i was looking at all these ducks on the reservoir and all the mallards were sitting next to these swans yeah he's like every time i see swans there's mallards next to him he's like there's no hide out in this flooded field so i just hid by the swan decoys and it worked great and i'm thinking you know what that's a great idea dude like no one has ever tried that yeah and it's things like that that really separate you out here because honestly every piece of public land out here gets shot every freaking time oh, yeah. that there's birds or or uh you know if it's open for hunting it's getting hunted as yeah. far as duck water goes and so for a guy like that that doesn't have a lot of decoys or you know has to pack in a long ways i mean that's pretty innovative i i was like hey good for you dude because no one's doing that i mean that's pretty cool oh exactly i'm uh i'm with you on that i i love trying new stuff i mean i feel like you get so used to the same spread all year long and then you just keep just throwing it out and keep let's say it doesn't work a couple of times and you're like oh this next field it'll hit or something and then it just does the same thing and a lot of guys around here just that's what i like to do so i've been trying to switch up the spread on either just throwing a couple full bodies like you were saying or i don't know just switching it up yep and like it's just it's about taking chances and trying and like what you're saying you know doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is kind of insanity right (laughs) so we're all a little insane i guess because i try to do the same thing every freaking time and (laughs) hope it works but sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't but uh I just, I really love the relationships that we've been able to form, the companies we've been able to get involved with. They've been awesome. I mean, if you guys get a chance, go to YouTube, check out Slade Northwest. Yeah. That's the production guys that we've been working with. And I mean, you've probably seen the videos. Oh, yeah. But for anyone who hasn't, um, you know, they're very interesting videos because we're not going out there playing godsmack music in the background with gopros <laughs> while we're jump shooting the roost you know like yeah. it's legit we pay this guy to come film he's not a hunter he is only a camera guy and the guy is a wizard on that thing yeah like he is a legend and so he comes out and his name's mather and he comes out super chill guy films with us you know he i'm trying we we're trying to get him on retainer because like we want to do a, a like basically not a show but um, I really want to do a like a series where we film like everything. I'm yeah. talking like unfiltered, like us swearing, us <laughs> arguing, like the yeah. real deal. Because yeah. honestly, you don't see the real deal, man. Everyone just sees the good hunts. Yeah. And no one sees the bad hunts. No one sees the arguing. No one sees the, you know, the struggles, the trying to get permission and not getting it, the literally anything and everything. I mean, yeah. You know, I I had a deal the other day where I only had like five blinds in my trailer and the clients told me there's only going to be five of them or four of them. And then I show up and there's nine of them. And I'm like, (laughs) all right, then guess we're going to figure this one out. You know, being able to adapt. But it's like stuff like that, that would be cool to have a camera guy on you and then be able to like show that. And then when I get in the truck, be able to film me talking about it and like, oh, shoot, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Like, what are we going to do now? And so... 
we just try to show waterfowling from a different side and it's not all about killing we always try to kind of tell a story and uh i think mather does a really good job doing that and there was actually a video that we did last season called three degrees yeah and that one was kind of almost what i'm talking about where we had like three different hunts that year and they all just never quite panned out we killed a few birds but it kind of showed just like hey you know we don't always get them yeah and we don't always have the best field sometimes we get screwed and i mean i i had a group of clients um on saturday and and there was nine of them and or there were seven of them and they really wanted to go duck hunting and it just wasn't the right weather for ducks and so i told them they could go goose hunting and and i sent them to a field that had about 300 birds on it and you know only maybe 100 came back and 40 of them landed long and i had another group out on a field with like 3,000, and no birds came back and it was just one of those days where it was 50 degrees and sunny and um you know the the clients that went with my guide they weren't happy about it and um they called me well they texted me actually right after i got off the phone with them and that kind of made me mad because it's like if i'm on the phone with you and you have something to say then just say it to me don't text me right after i get done talking to you because that's going to make me a little irritated and uh you know they just felt like i put them on a bad field and and they felt like they were like not taken care of right and so i called the guy and just told him like that's not what happened i try to put everyone on the best fields possible and and uh i gave him a discount on the day i mean i charged them less than half price and and i even refunded some guys and so you know trying to explain to them that that i don't have to do that and every outfitter doesn't do that in fact i'm probably one of the only outfitters ever that will ever refund people if we have a bad hunt because a lot of guys will just take the money and then offer a half price hunt next year or something yeah but sometimes i'm just like hey you know we didn't fire a shot don't even pay me because i would rather have him come back and have a good time yeah and um you know filming stuff like that would be cool because you get to see the real side of it i mean it's not all rainbows and freaking unicorns man there's a lot of (laughs) pissed off people you know we run four to six groups a weekend and uh you know sometimes you don't get them all sometimes you don't shoot crap but the difference between us and some other guys is i try to move people around man if you're not getting them in a field i'll move you to a duck field or if you're duck hunting and you're not getting ducks i'll try to move you to geese yeah and not charge you for a combo because i want people coming back and i want people having a good time yeah so we're, we try to make it the best and, and uh, we don't have a lodge or anything like that out here. We just uh, have our guys stay at hotels and, and just do a direct drive and meet us at gas stations. But um, it would be cool to get a lodge. I just We can only hunt these three days a week here. And then uh, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday is our goose days and ducks is open every day. Yeah. And so that's pretty interesting because a lot of guys are like, wait, what do you mean you can only hunt three days a week? Like, we can kill geese every day where I'm at. And I'm like, well, that's just our, our rules here. We got Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. And so it's kind of interesting because, you know, we don't, we're not able to make as much money. We're yeah. not able to hunt as much because we don't have as many days. And so the days that we have to have huntable, I want to be out there and I want to have as many groups as I can and try to try to get people birds. But at the end of the day, um, it is a business, but I also want returning clientele, right? So if I have to cut a guy a deal or or uh you know rip up a check because it was a bad hunt and refund people a thousand dollars i've done that i mean that's 
it sucks, but that comes directly out of my pocket because I still pay the guide, I still pay the farmer, and I'm out, you know, thousand bucks at that point. But hopefully, I have another weekend where I can make two or three thousand and and make that back, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool just to have a show where it would show other things, not just the PC like version of everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, I, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. That'd be really cool. I mean. You just look at all these hunts and everyone's so serious about everything. And then they got to show everything that happens, which isn't always reality. Yep. And I mean, that'd be really neat to kind of see something like that happen. Oh, yeah, dude. And I just got to say, people need to start smiling more in their waterfowl pictures. Gosh, I see all these kids <laughs> with their piles of birds on their dive bomb bags or piles of birds in front of their, you know hits and stuff and not a single one of them are smiling yeah like, what the hell, dude? you had a great time you had fun with your friends like you should freaking be flipping off the camera smiling or hugging each other laughing having fun i mean that's to me that's what it's about it's not about being some awesome guy that's oh i kill thousands of geese a year i mean i literally just had a guy ask me well how many geese do you think you killed this year I don't know. I don't keep track of that, man. Yeah. I, I keep track of it on the hunt, like when we're out there, but I don't have like a log book that I write like December 19th, we shot 24 birds. I don't care. It's not about the numbers of birds. It's about having fun and running a good business and making sure we get returning clients. I yeah. care less how many geese we kill at the end of the year or how many ducks we shot or how many pheasants that we get or, you know, how many deer did we get? Like, that's cool. Yeah, those are all numbers that are cool, but at the end of the day, more like how many smiles left your blind and how many people came back and have been coming back for 10 years. Yeah. Because I think that's what makes a good guide service is constantly getting new clients and then having returning clients that, I mean, I've taken three generations of, of people now. Like I've taken their grandfather, their dad, and now their kid. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool. And, uh, and I just think, you know, trying to be in this in the long game, there's a lot more to it than just killing birds, you know? Oh, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I uh, When I was talking to Ben Porter about him hunting out on some of, like, the refuges in California yep. and then how, like, he'll run into people sometimes, hunting a spot, whatever, and he's like, yeah, we're just all – everyone's out here to have fun. Like, nobody yep. comes out here to be all pissed off and everything. And so, yep. and yeah, Ben's hunting California, so he's hunting the real war zones, right? Yeah. I mean, that public land down there is crazy. Oh, and exactly. Ben's a super, super chill guy. Like, I listened to that podcast. Ben came up here and hunted with us, actually, because we did the Hunt 41 video yep. uh, of Washington. And so he came out, and it was kind of cool because I had Slade here filming my hunt, and then Hunt 41 was filming Mather at the same time that Mather's filming me. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool because we had like, a film within a film it was like matrix status like get inside the film to see the film <laughs> and uh so that was cool and i got to meet ben and um it was cool because they got to knock off a cackler off the hunt 41 uh deal because that's one of the, the species they hadn't shot yet and so um yeah me and tyler the, the other guy's name was tyler and then uh, the other guy's name was tony so yep. tony and tyler were shooting and then ben was filming and uh, there's actually a pretty cool little little uh, clip of Tyler and I, and I'm holding up a giant honker, and Tyler's holding up this little cackler, and it's just, that's what's cool about this area. Like I was telling you earlier, 
you'll shoot into a flock of geese and not even know it, but you just drop like cacklers, lessers, and honkers, and and we get every single subspecies of Canada goose through here pretty much. I mean, I've, I've only seen one dusky come through here, and duskies are closed in western Washington except for in one area. But okay. in eastern Washington, every Canada is open. Like, we don't have a – there's no quota or anything like that. If it's a Canada goose, you can shoot four of them. That's the rules here. Yeah. So um, it's cool. You drop a flock, and you think they were all honkers, and you walk out there, and it's like, oh, this thing's smaller than a mallard duck. What the heck is this? <laughs> you know? So that's super fun. But, yeah, I really enjoyed Ben and those guys. They were so cool. And, and that's, again, that's another film, right, that's not traditional. Yeah. That's a video that's showing – you know, it it shows the history of waterfowling. I mean, just look at the Washington episode was so cool because they go out to the coast and hunt with John Otto. Yep. And and you get to see the sea duck deal. And like, I didn't realize those guys carved their own decoys. And John was talking about in that video that people had given him carved decoys and he only uses hand carved decoys. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And uh, and then you come over and, and I think they went to Eagle Lakes, actually, and hunted with Mark Pine out of California, who owns Eagle Lakes. But. Um, you get to see kind of the flooded corn, you know, the what everyone typically thinks of when they think of flooded corn hunting is what they got to see down there. And then they come out with us and you get to see the goose hunting and just see the wide open flat fields and everything. And so Washington is super cool just because you can drive three hours west and be on the coast. You can drive three hours east and be in the mountains and the trees. Yeah. Or you can be right in the center and be in a desert, basically, with a bunch of you know lakes and rivers and stuff and so the the diverse ecosystems here make this state really really fun and i mean aside from hunting we have phenomenal fishing i mean walleye crappie bass uh perch all the freshwater spiny rays are amazing here um and then we've got phenomenal well salmon fishing's kind of gone downhill and, and there's a whole nother argument for what the heck's happening with the salmon here, but salmon fishing is what, you know, people think of when they think of fishing in the Pacific Northwest, people think of fishing, catching 50 pound King salmon. And, uh, it's sad to see, but you just don't see those fish anymore. And, uh, I don't know what the solution is to that problem, but, um, I hope they figure it out, man, because they're, that's a huge industry that helps out a lot of towns along the river and stuff. And it's sad to see, um, things going the way they're going. I mean, we're talking these guys used to, the guidebooks used to fill up with clients, right? And they'd be able to catch three or four salmon. And now they're only allowed to keep one. Oh, so wow. being being a guide, how are you supposed to make any money with you're only allowed to catch one fish per person? That's pretty hard to, to make a living doing that. So yeah. I'd like to see something change there for those guys. And I'm not even a salmon guy, and I think it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you no know? kidding. So, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, man, I just I feel very grateful to be able to guide. And uh, don't, there's times I've taken it for granted. I mean, there's been a couple different times I can think of over the last 11 years where I have almost given up. I mean, there was a year where one of my guides left and went to another guide service and that guide service tried to lease out property from under me and tried to like get all my leases and essentially just force me out of business and that was like one of the toughest years of my life because that guy that left was one of my best friends and he ended up coming back and working for me now and everything's good but at the time you know 
I was uh, seriously contemplating just giving up because it was like, gosh, you know, everyone's coming after all my ground and yeah. and they're offering the farmers more money. And at the time, I couldn't afford to pay anymore, man. I was like 25 years old. You know, I, I just barely got out of school and had a my first real full-time job. And I started my actual career um, not just guiding. I mean, I'm, I'm a crop advisor now. So, yeah. um, you know, there was other things I was trying to do at the same time. And so I just thought, man, what am I doing? You know, am, am I really going to be able to do this for much longer? And I was getting burned out and stuff. And, uh, then I actually had my daughter and, uh, I remember when she was born, Trevor was there and, um, you know, he just told me, Hey man, we got to keep this thing going, dude. You got a little kid you got to take care of now, but I think we need to keep this thing going. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just need a fire lit under you to keep you in the game. And, and that's when it's nice to have friends. And, and even like my guy that left and came back, he's my best friend, still is my best friend, will always be my best friend. And, you know, at the time he left chasing a dollar sign and then realized, you know, hey, maybe it's not all about the dollar signs. Maybe there's a little more to this and, and came back and he's been here ever since. And, you know, he's my most loyal guy now or one of my most loyal guys. They're all loyal and they're all yeah. great guys. And, um that's what it's really about man is just having a good crew and and just everything that it's like it's like wake surfing man it just needs to be smooth everything just needs to be smooth <laughs> if everything's flowing smooth and and the vibes are good then then things are good but you know when someone's off you can tell they're off it's just you got to get them back to where they where everything's zen right so yeah there's a lot of just trying to keep your energy in a good place and i mean it's i never used to be a big like oh you know personal aura whatever that's all kind of hippie talk to me but over the last few years man it's a real thing like when someone when even when a client gets out of the truck i can tell right away if they're like in a good mood or a bad mood you know yeah and so uh typically if we're all in a great mood it's going to be a great day but if someone's not in a good mood it might be a little bit of a struggle <laughs> so, oh, I no, I'm, I'm very fortunate man I, I love all the guys that work for me and, and uh, I think we have a really good thing going and we're on year 10 now of this company and I'd love to see another 20 years like I told you Yeah, it would be very cool oh absolutely I'm with you on that dude because it's just so fun to get out there be with your buddies and then also show people a good time yeah, I mean, yesterday I got to actually hunt with my friends. So I took yesterday off, and, and I don't ever really shoot. That's another thing. Like, I don't know what other guides do, but I know some guides shoot with their clients, and mm -hmm. I just don't do that. I mean, if a client tells me that I can shoot, then I'll shoot. But very rarely am I shooting. Most of the time I'm working my dog, and I'm calling the shot, and I'm just, I just want them to get shooting, right? So yeah. yesterday was a nice surprise for me because – I was able to go with some of my friends and honestly we went to a field that didn't even have any geese in it and we shot 16 honkers oh wow yeah fair <laughs> <You know>? enough <laughs> it was super fun man i posted a video on my uh facebook yesterday on my personal page of these geese coming in and it was just super cool because i was able to film them come in and land and um just a fun day dude you just you take all that stuff for granted once you start working and you start hunting every day for a job you just tend to forget about like the fun hunts that you've had with your buddies or the days where things have happened. I mean, my nickname is stumbles now because every time I go duck hunting with clients, I flip and fall in the water. Like <laughs> damn near every time. Dude. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like every single duck hunt practically I have almost fallen in or came close to it or like 
hit a deep spot and the water goes over my waders. <laughs> and, I mean, so they gave me the nickname, you know, Stumbles. And so it's pretty uh, funny. Some of my clients, oh, do we have Stumbles today? And, uh, you know, so just stuff like that. And um, I mean, I, I do say this is the greatest job in the world, but it's one of those jobs where you're going to get out of it what you put in. So the harder you work at this, the better it's going to go. And uh, just really trying to keep good relationships with everyone, man. Yeah. Even your competition. Like I said, you know, I used to think of these other guys as, as my competition, and it's not like that anymore. I mean, we all meet at the same gas stations in the morning, and, and you know, I'll stop and talk to these other guys and say hi. And, you know, we fish in bass tournaments against each other and stuff, and, and we're all we're all in the same community, right? So at the end of the day, it's better to just get along. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's just, it took me a while to learn that, but now that we've learned that and, and grown, and I mean, that just all comes with getting older, right? And just yeah. growing as a person and, and just life in general. But uh, if I could give any young kids advice, if there's any of them that are listening to this, it would just be, you know, be humble. It's not about the pile picks. It's not about, oh, you know, well, that guy's an a-hole because he got on this field. And, and if you are hunting next to people, then try to be courteous, man. I yeah. mean, that's... There's, there's so many unwritten rules that people don't follow. And like, it's sad to see because waterfowl to me used to be a gentleman's thing. Yeah. It was a tradition. It was a gentleman's hunt. It was something that you did to celebrate something or with your family. It was a tradition. Like there's deep traditions rooted in these hunts. Yeah. And so I think people forget that. And so if I was a young guy right now trying to get into the guiding i would say first of all make sure you have at least one guy or two guys that are solid guys to help you that will have your back through thick and thin because there's going to be days where it's going to be tough man and there's going to be things that happen and maybe things that happen in your personal life right and mm -hmm. you might need those guys to help you yeah. or or have your back so have a couple good guys that can help you always pay your farmers in a timely fashion always if you lease ground don't wait three months to pay them yeah pay them the day of pay them the day after pay them within a week man you will get a lot further if you pay your bills on time just like anything else yeah and uh and then just follow the rules you know it's it's really easy to get caught in the hole oh we could shoot five minutes after light and not get caught and then you do that one time and you get busted by a game warden and you're done <laughs> you know yeah so it, it looks good on paper sometimes like oh we could get away with it but you're not going to get away with it and you don't want to start with a bad reputation and you want to start with a good re reputation with good people helping you and good things will come and that's the advice that i would give to anyone that wanted to do this or even just being a successful waterfowl hunter you got to put in the time scouting is crucial i mean scouting is the most important part like yeah. every guide, I'm sure, has their own way that they break down goose hunting. But for me, if I had to number it, I would say number one is scouting. Number two is hiding. Number three is decoy placement. And number four is calling. Calling doesn't matter, okay? I'll say it right now. The way <laughs> that you become good at goose hunting is knowing when not to call. Yeah. And same with ducks. Put your call down and watch them work. I mean, yesterday, I didn't even call. I maybe called three times total. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing. That's the difference between being good and having tough dates is knowing when not to call. And there's not you don't always need to call. 
and trying to teach new guys that because they all see the stuff on TV. And I mean, gosh, go look at that show uh, with old Chad Belding, man. Those guys call all the time, like 24 seven. They never stop calling. Yeah. And you just don't need to do that half the time. And so there's a lot of trial and error, but that's pretty much how I break it down. You know, scouting, hide, decoy placement, then calling. And honestly, the hide is the most important part because when you're a guide, you're not dealing with people that hunt all the time. Yeah. That's another thing people don't get. Oh, well, we limited out yesterday. Well, yeah, it was you and your three buddies that go goose hunting all the time and they know to keep their heads down and they know to (laughs) close the doors all the way. And you guys know how to get in the blinds and you know how to open the doors. And, you know, we are literally training these people the day of. I mean, I am literally, it's more babysitting than it is anything else. You're telling them, like, I mean, dude, I get people that have never hunted out of an eliminator blind before, and they're putting their gun barrel up by their head out the back <laughs> of the blind where your headrest is. Yeah. Okay? And it's like, why? who in their mind would think that that is a good spot for the gun to be, right? <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know because they've yeah. never been out there and done it. And so you have to coach them. And, and in a guided hunt, you are running the hunt. That's the thing. You can't let the clients dictate what you're going to do you got to tell the clients what they're going to do. Yeah. And so it's real easy, dude, to have clients come out and be like, oh, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. Why are we doing this and why are we doing that? And I just tell them all the same thing. Just have faith in your guide and good things will happen. Oh, absolutely, dude. I'm with you on so, that. Yeah, no, we I uh, love, this, love this job. It's been a great thing for me. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue this for a long time. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Like we, going back to, you were talking about, um, like hunting, hunting with people and, uh, always having a good time. But we, we ran into a group. What was it? Two, it was two early seasons ago, opener. And, uh, we were scouting a field or whatever. We were scouting my field and, uh, another truck pulls up and I guess they had permission as well. I'm like, Hey guys, like we only have like 10 people. It's a sweet cornfield. The hide's unbelievable. Like let's just all run together. They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, all right. Like why not? He's like, well, I'm trying to get this kid his first goose. Da, da, da. We have our dog out. I'm like, no big deal. Like I'd rather hunt together. Cause I mean, yep. like it's just more fun. Everyone's trying to have fun. And so they decide to not hunt with us, set up on the other side of the sweet corn field. Yep. And, uh, I knew where all these birds were feeding the night before because they left early actually that night. So the guys like, like, well, they're out here yesterday night, but they're not out here right now. I'm like, yeah, because they fed early and then they left. And we went out there, shot our six man, and they didn't shoot one. And then they're bitching at me about, what the hell are you guys doing? I'm like, I told you to come hunt with us. Like, it's not not that big of a deal. I mean, just don't get yep. over just humble yourself a little bit and just hunt with other people exactly man i've had that happen to me on a guided hunt before so i showed up to the field and these two older gentlemen had permission as well and i was like that's fine why don't you guys come hunt with us we're professional hunting guides and we have the best stuff you know we got the best decoys best blinds yeah we got the best callers why don't you guys come with us oh no we don't want to hunt with you young guys you guys don't know what you're doing like okay then (laughs) I'm telling you right now, we're going to go set up right here. Every bird's going to come into us, and we're going to kick your guys' ass. Yeah. So have fun. They go over there. We limit. They don't get crap, right? Yeah. 
that happened to me one time. Another time, I was duck hunting a public pond just for fun. I was not guiding. Yeah. And I had access to get into this pond with my truck, but it's a public pond. So my my field is right next to it. So I can drive in to my field and then cross the fence onto the public land and walk about 80 yards to the pond. Yeah. So everyone else has to walk in from five miles away. <laughs> well, me and my cousin are sitting in the blind. It's like 5.30 in the morning, you know. It's We've still got like an hour and a half of, you know, just sitting there BSing until shooting light comes. Yeah. And we're sitting there about 20 minutes goes by, and I start hearing some brush break out across the pond, and I see a headlight coming through. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. Like, some guy's coming out here to hunt with all of his buddies, and they're going to be pissed, and they're going to set up across the pond from us because that's how public hunting has gotten, dude, and it's, it's sad. It's oh, yeah. very sad because, like we were talking about earlier, the – unwritten ethics and rules that people don't follow anymore is unbelievable and so this guy comes out he's got a decoy cart custom made by himself <laughs> full of decoys dude like way too many like i took a dozen decoys we're hunting a little <laughs> pond we don't need five million decoys yeah. right so this guy comes in with this decoy cart he is sweating like he just ran a marathon okay <laughs> and he's in he's in the thick neoprene waders this was long before breathable waders yeah and so he's just you can tell this guy's about to die. And uh, he gets to the edge of the pond and just, you can hear him, oh shit. And I yell across the pond, hey man, is it just you? And he's like, yeah, it's just me. And I'm like, okay, well there's only two of us over here. Why don't you just come hunt with us? And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh man, I really appreciate that. And just comes around the pond and yeah, I'm like, stash that freaking thing somewhere away from here. You don't need all that. Like, get that <laughs> thing out of here. And so he, and it was cool because he, he had it on like a, almost a mountain bike type setup where he had different sprockets and he could shift the gears huh. and make it easier to push up a hill. Yeah. And so um, I was like, that's a cool decoy cart because you can't use motorized ones. So he had like taken a mountain bike sprocket. But anyways, yeah. he ended up joining up with us. Dude, that guy's been coming back with my guide service for the last 10 years, bringing eight guys every year to hunt with me. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Sometimes those relationships are good to form, and it's better just to work together because, I mean, I ended up getting business out of that deal. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I uh, – I for this, this past, like, October, we didn't have anything to hunt, and I was like, you know what? Found, like, a nice little public hole bunch of ducks on it i was like yeah like tuesday afternoon i'll go hunt that go out there the next morning and there's six trucks and i'm like hmm so i went out talked to them like yeah it's just me and another guy like wanted to just hunt together like no 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 i'm like all right well whatever like so be it i'll just go go to another public hole right down the road or whatever and we shot a few but it gives me a remind me why i don't hunt public yeah. Yeah. Like Well and that's the thing, man. People people wanna hate on private hunting, but at the end of the day, we manage our birds better than public hunters do. That's yeah. why our hunting's better. <laughs> I I got in an argument with the guy the other day about it because he's like, Oh, all you guides and your fancy corn ponds and stuff and I'm like, Hey man, first of all, I don't even have a corn pond. <laughs> I hunt regular ponds that are natural made and I'm like don't have a corn pond. And secondly, the reason why our stuff is good is because we stop hunting at one o'clock in the afternoon on our duck property or noon. 
We're yeah. out of there by noon. We let the ducks come back in, and we don't go in there before shooting light and blow them all out, and we don't shoot into huge spots. Yeah. So, you know, we don't hunt the spots every day, and that's the difference between public and private, man. There's a spot out here in Moses that's public, and I'm not joking. Every single day, practically, someone is there. Mm-hmm. I ran into a guy that told me straight up that he takes his dog and walks down to this spot on this creek every day and jump shoots it every single day of the season. And I looked over at him and I just said, dude, you are ruining this area for everyone. You understand that, right? He's like, well, how do you figure? I'm like, they're coming down here every day and jump shooting the ducks that are on this pond every day. They're never going to get a chance to get in there and bring in more ducks. Yeah. You understand that, right? He's like, well, I didn't really think of it like that. I thought they'd come back after I shoot them. Like, no, dude, not always. When they get jumped out of there every day, they're not going to come back. Like, they will get used to that, and you just ruin this whole spot. Uh, yeah, I, know. I couldn't believe that. I was I was literally a little pissed off. <laughs> that, that, that seriously, that irritated me when you said you did it every day. Uh, I, it took every, every ounce of me not to call that guy the biggest dummy in the world. Because yeah. how stupid do you have to be? to think you're not ruining it by jump shooting it every single day and our season is like 180 days bro and he was jumping it every day <laughs> and this guy would maybe shoot one oh duck my God. every two days or three days you'd only get one and i'm like dude you are ruining this area for everyone that's terrible so, it's it funny now though yeah like, it's funny to talk about it now and just like what in the heck would dude. go through someone's mind to make them do that. Yeah. Dude, I had Especially somebody... when there's millions of spots around here. Yeah. There's like, I could go jump shoot seven different spots today if I wanted to, you know? <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we had something that was like... I mean, dude, we were... So we had a cornfield, right? And there was like probably two, three thousand mallards in it. And they've been in there for like a week. We were going to go hunt it Saturday, which we did, and we shot them up out of there. But I'm scouting in the middle of the week because I wasn't going to hunt because all my buddies can't hunt till the weekend. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just like have it. Let it sit. They're going to sit in there all week because like that's what they do every year. And I go out there like it was like a Tuesday morning. And there's a kid that's sitting in the ditch that's shooting them as they fly over and i'm like dude like no way no way this is real like i couldn't believe my eyes and he's like yeah like well i couldn't get permission from the farmer so i would just sit in sit in the ditch and throw a couple decoys on the road and see what happens i'm like dude you're gonna ruin this spot for every single person and you're gonna ruin it for the whole fucking county on farmers not wanting anyone to hunt because you just look like an idiot sitting on the road shooting while cars are passing. Like uh it was just yeah, it was beyond me. Pretty much pretty much though, man, and they don't think about it. They do, they just don't that doesn't run through their mind. No. No, it just they don't they don't comprehend anything and there's no common sense. 
Like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, dude, common sense is just a thing that is dying these days, and not even just dying, <laughs> just in everything in life, man. Uh, there is just no common sense anymore. I mean, it's just insane. This day to day life is, I just, I keep looking at what's happening in our world today. Have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? Idiocracy. I have not. I'll have to watch it okay. though. You need to watch it, dude, because I'm telling you, it is shocking how many things in that movie are like happening in our world today. Yeah. And it's just hilarious, dude. I mean, it, it gets the, it's just, it's, you just have to go watch it, but there's a part in that movie where basically people have became so stupid, okay, that they've forgotten how to do anything. And like, they have all this farmland. Yeah. Well, they're trying to irrigate it and they're irrigating it with basically Gatorade because uh, because everything likes electrolytes because people need electrolytes and so plants need electrolytes and like just it's just stupid stupid humor but it's like wow people actually probably do think like that now <laughs> and so yeah I would recommend it it's an older movie but go check it out it's called Idiocracy and it's pretty kind of creepy to see um, that movie because that movie came out I want to say in like the early 2000s okay or the late 90s and uh, to see what's happening in today's world and it's, it's very it's not very far off yeah no kidding Dude, yeah but, just, uh, it's just people like I don't know I don't know how that goes through your mind going to sit in a ditch and trying to shoot dogs like Dude. Like, well, you did you talk did you talk to Matt Judy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like I went over and hunted uh, for snows with Matt. Yeah. And bro, over there where he hunts or where him and some of his other friends hunt, so Matt was I don't even think we were at Matt's field, but Matt was there. And uh dude, me and him were just sitting there talking about all these dumb shits that pass shoot out on the west side of Washington State at these snow geese. Yeah. Okay. They'll be like 20,000 snow geese out on this bay all right and we're all trying to decoy them in these fields and i'm not joking bro you see these geese get off the bay they fly over this dike at like 200 yards there's guys standing on that dike shooting at 200 yards maybe sailing one bird okay this bird sails into a field that they don't have permission for the guy that has permission for it is sitting right there with his dog and he's running his dog out there and picking up sailed birds and then basically either giving them back to those guys or selling them back to those guys. That's what I would probably do if that wasn't illegal. I'd be like, screw you. You <laughs> shot it on my land. Ten bucks for this bird, you know? Yeah. But um, he's giving them back to the guys where he probably just takes them himself. And I was just like, what in the world's going on? And then you see, like, he's just flying anywhere out on this island. It's called Fur Island. And uh, it's a very well-known place in western Washington for snow geese. But, dude, the people that were not hunting the right way out there are the reason why that place is not very good yeah. and why people don't take that place serious is because of people like these guys dude okay all these snow geese are landing in this field these guys roll up in a little clown car like eight of them jump out and run across the street <laughs> as these birds are flying over the power lines to try to get in there and they just unload their guns and shoot like three of them and they fall they run out there and grab them get back in their clown car and take off it's like what in the world I, I i was i literally could not believe it dude and i was talking with matt and he's like yeah it's just these people do that man like the dike is public property so they sit up there and they pass you and it just makes things incredibly difficult for those guys when they're trying to decoy them yeah 
Yeah, that's insane. So, yeah, and like the game wardens, dude, the west side, there's so many people and the area is so huge that they can't get there in time. Yeah. So they can't even catch these guys freaking driving around, jump shooting and doing all kinds of illegal stuff. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Dang. That, yeah, that's but intense. Is, like over here, if people were doing that, like all of the outfitters would probably get together and like try to kidnap someone and break their <laughs> legs or something. You know, we would not have that happening out here. Yeah. Oh, dude. When I when I saw that kid, I was like, dude. And I mean, kids in high school. He's like, yeah, well, like I didn't really have anywhere else to hunt. I'm like, dude, you're a fucking moron. Like, well, see, but here's the deal, bro. If if see, and I used to think that too. Like, I would get into it with all these younger kids, right? But here's the deal. What we have to do now, and this is part of like what we talked about earlier about growing as a person and growing as a guide and growing in life. Now, when I come across kids like this, right, that aren't doing it the right way, I take it upon myself to train them. Oh, 100%. Them, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's one thing I used to not do. I just be like, you're a freaking <laughs> idiot. Get out of here, you know? And now I stop and I'm like, hey, man, let me give you some pointers here and show you like how to do it. And I think like, if we could take more time to educate people and show them the proper way to do it, we would have less of this, yeah. you know, clown car hunting and guys sitting in ditches shooting ducks, shooting at ducks that aren't even coming in, you know? Oh, exactly. And dude, I was like, I had probably like a 30 minute conversation with this kid. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. like there's public land you can go hunt if you don't have somewhere to hunt like go sit on a pond or something like if you want to get out there go do it or just go scout and find a field that like you can hunt and then you're not going to make everyone else mad at you and then you're going to make more friends like he's like yeah yeah i didn't even think about that i'm like yeah i can tell like (laughs) but uh the, the fun things about waterfall hunting Get exactly. experience that kind of stuff. Exactly the joys of of getting out and trying to find a a dinosaur with wings. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I mean, I, like this kid, I probably uh, I think I've ran him once before too, and I'm just like, yeah, man, like just try to get a field, like do what you can, bring a couple buddies out there and go hunt it's a lot more fun hunting like that than it is sitting in a ditch and trying to shoot ducks out of a field that you can't get permission to yep and so i don't know it's it's all fun trying to trying to teach the young guys i mean try to get them into the right way of shooting geese and ducks instead of that exactly but what can you do i guess not everyone keep on keeping on brother keep on hunting that's all we can do yeah exactly Dude, but I was looking at uh, I was looking at your pits. How many, uh, how many pits do you guys have out there? Uh, I got five pits in the ground right now. Jeez. And I think next year we'll probably be hoping to double that. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. It is, but pits are a lot of work, man. That's one of those things that I wish we could film. Yeah. Because here's what happens, and like it's been better over these these last few years, but back in the day. It used to be like everyone wanted to put in pits and then everyone was here to help put in pits and then we all hunted the pits and then the hunting season got over and then guess who was here to pull the pits? (laughs) Only me and one other guy. And so then it turns into me and one other guy pulling all the pits by ourselves and that's a lot of work. And so I got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) 
I pay you guys to come here and help me. Why am I doing all the work? And yeah. so, you know, that's one of those deals where it's like, we got to stop thinking about I and me and start thinking about we and yeah. us. And so everyone helps now. Everyone pulls them. We break off into groups sometimes and pull two or three at a time. And uh, yeah, pits are fun, but I will, they're a lot of work, man. Like yeah. people do not understand how much work it is to get a hole in the ground big enough to fit eight to 10 people, you know? Yeah. Oh, and exactly. then not every farmer will let you put a pit in either. So that's another thing that sucks. Some fields, if we had a pit in them, we would be hunting that field all the time. We'd be <laughs> killing tons of birds, but we just can't get a pit in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there's other farmers that are like, you can put a pit in every single one of my fields. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. So those are the farmers we like. Yeah. Are the ones that say we can put pits wherever we want. But typically, um, you know, we, we get like, I try to put my pits in. There's some fields I know that are going to be good just based on what the crop is in that field that year because over the last 15 years when that field is that crop the birds go there um but there's other fields dude like we don't put our pits in in september like i wait you have to wait till the the corn gets harvested yeah and and then you know it's 30 days after harvest sometimes before you can get in there and uh we put the pits in and and try to put them in the fields we think are going to produce and i'll be honest dude there's some pits that just don't produce yeah like i had a pit one year in a field and i didn't hunt it one freaking time that's like <laughs> two thousand dollars wasted <laughs> just sitting there not getting shot out of that all yeah <laughs> and then i got another field with thousands of geese that i could have put a pit in but i don't have a pit put in it because it's over here and now the ground's frozen i can't get the thing out of the ground yeah you know so these are like the scenarios that people don't see that we go through <laughs> wait uh, you're looking at a dart board throwing a dart at circles which one are we going to put a pit in <laughs> which one are we going to put a pit in because you don't know until it's harvested and the birds show up yeah so i mean dude there's several times that i put a pit in the night before oh wow i mean i'm talking and our pits are four by four by 16 or four by five by 24 like big pits and yeah. you have to have a dump trailer and a backhoe or a track hoe or a mini excavator you got to have a couple guys down in there and then you know all of our pits are either solid wood or i use metal and make the frame and then we use plywood for the walls and stuff and then make the top out of wood okay and so i mean i like the wood because around here we're not hunting in like flooded stuff yeah so we don't need to have a metal pit that you sink into a pond because we don't we don't do that all of our ponds have stand up like sit down blinds you know like the traditional duck yeah. blind yeah and uh the pits are cool um but it's just a different style of hunting man like you can't see the birds coming in you're in a hole in the ground we use drop doors so they swing in they huh. don't flip up out they swing in and so that allows for the geese to not see you. Yeah. So it's cool because birds will start backwinging and landing and you drop the doors in and you stand up and they don't even see you and you just start blasting them. Yeah. So the kill ratio is way higher. That's what's cool about pit blinds is like when you go to a pit and you get birds in the decoys, you kill a lot of them. I mean, yesterday there was four of us and we had a flock of 20 come in. We shot nine. Dang. That's pretty good. And we should have all probably tripled. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of us said the same thing. Well, we all flock shot on the first <laughs> shot, you know, because, like, 
Dude, these 20 geese landed right in the decoys, right in the kill hole. They jumped up in one big ball. Everyone's first shot went right into the center of it. Oh, and yeah. then we started picking them off. And so, yeah, like everyone shot two. One guy shot three. And then, um, yeah, we had like two more goes and we were pretty much done. So, yeah. Yeah. As always, that first that first shot is I feel like always a flock shot if those big groups oh, do it. Dude. It's it's more like my my favorite is the clients. I always tell them like, do not shoot the lead goose. Yeah. I'm like, just whatever you do, don't shoot the lead goose. If the lead goose gets out of here alive, that's fine because what will happen is the first bird that touches down, everyone's eyes go right to that goose. And you got seven guns go off, so seven shots go into one goose. Yeah. And then the other freaking, you know, 13 shells or 12 shells don't hit crap because all those birds that were at 30 yards are now at 50. <laughs> and everyone took the 15-yard shot first. And this one goose is just blown to shit in the decoys, and there's blood everywhere. And now every bird that's going to come in is going to see that blood spot. So I'm out there kicking snow over the blood, trying to hide it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I try to coach these guys on shooting because, like, like I tell people, if you get a flock of birds that comes in, take the 30-yard shot first and then work your way closer. Yeah. By the time the 15-yard bird comes to your second shot, he's at 30 now, which is perfect. So you get two at 30, and then maybe you poke one out there at 45 as it's flying away. Yeah. But really, like, I just try to tell people to focus on their lane and focus on one bird and shoot it till it falls. Because a lot of guys shoot them, and they do the classic go down, and then they get right back up and fly away. <laughs> oh, exactly. Especially with steel shot, dude. <laughs> Tungsten's a little better, but steel shot is, like, terrible. That's... I mean, I wish they would do a study on how many birds we actually wounded with steel shot and what the damage is as far as, like, that versus lead because I think yeah. lead used to hit way harder from everything, like, my parents have told me. I mean, we I've never been able to shoot lead since I've been alive. It's been outlawed, but my grandfather and my dad, you know, back in the 60s or 50s, like, they said they used to shoot ducks with two and three-quarter inch sixes. Yeah. Like, and or geese with that even and i'm going i don't even think that would even touch a goose around here with a steel shot oh dude i mean for pheasant hunting out here you can use steel on public but then you use lead on private yep and i mean you talk about the difference we fuck dude we uh we were pheasant hunting last year and me and my buddy were walking we had four dogs out it was just me and him and we each this rooster jumps at like 15 yards we both put a round into it with steel shot it goes down and then it just keeps running off the dogs can't even find it and i mean then you go look at you go shoot him with lead and i don't think you'll ever pick up a live rooster like, <laughs> it's just a whole different whole different ball game with lead yeah it is for sure like and i mean those late season pheasants they get tough like they just they just get really tough and if you're not if you're not shooting lead it can be it can be a treat yeah i wish that we could use it for ducks just because of like stories like you're saying and everything i've heard from people it seems like when you hit them with it they're just done yeah they just die like just just how it is hits so much harder and I mean, you talk about like, who was I talking Oh, it's Cody. Um, and he was talking about how when they went to, I think it was, oh no, it was Charlie, it was Charlie. So when I was talking to Charlie, he was saying when he went out to Scotland and hunted, they can use lead. 
And really? Yeah. And so they can shoot wow. lead out there. And I think New Zealand, you can. Don't quote me on it, but I think New Zealand, you can maybe shoot lead as well. Um, okay. But they're talking about like those birds just die. Like it just. That's all it is. Yeah. No cripples, man. Yeah. And I mean, you think about how many cripples or lost birds you shoot in a year, and it's like. Oh, it's insane, man. I mean, I. Yeah, I've I've had hunts where I've had to call the hunt, and we only might have like, like if there's two guys duck hunting, two clients, we leave with ten birds on hand, and they sailed four. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, good shots. Like they shoot them literally, and honkers are the same way, dude. You watch these clients hit these honkers at thirty yards. You see feathers come out, everything, and the goose just keeps flying. And then it gets (laughs) out there like five hundred yards and just goes straight to the ground and dies. Yeah every time that was like we had a hunt on the ice like right at the end of the year this year and fucking five pack comes in we light up all four the fifth one we light up as well and it starts going right into the water and then just picks up and keeps on going i'm like dude there's no way that that thing is still alive like that's there's just no way but yeah i'd wonder unless, unless it's a buffalo head because those <laughs> things can take shots like no other <laughs> oh yeah but yeah no back to what you're saying though is i wonder what the studies on are how much damage lead actually does compared to if we were able to use that and how many birds like we wouldn't lose yeah and i think like honestly their big deal is they were worried about like eagles and stuff eating the birds that are dead of lead poisoning and then getting lead poisoning. Yeah. Um, which I can see that and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Just like they were worried, like, I saw this one deal that swans were eating lead shot from the bottom of ponds Ah. and getting lead poisoning. Um, I don't know, some weird stuff, which why yeah. would a swan be eating lead shot? Unless, well, I mean, it looks like gravel or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't um, know, because, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I used to work out at a game farm and uh like you'll see chuckers or whatever that got shot and you could tell it's lead because they just like they puff up and then they get like look super sick and then they just die Mm -hmm. and you can tell it's lead poisoning from it but i wonder how that would affect like yeah like you were saying the eagles and stuff when if you shoot a pheasant or whatever and then just gets lead poisoning and then i wonder how that affects the meat yep I don't know. It's it'd be a good uh, be a good survey to kind of do. That'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, I don't even know how they would go about it, but yeah, that's just weird weird things that interest us, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hear you. But yeah, how's the um, how are the game wardens and all your guys' regulations out there? Are do you agree with most of them, or it's well, some I mean, kind it really of weird? Doesn't matter if we agree, right? Yeah, we have to follow all the rules, but. Um, no, the game wardens out here are super nice, and, uh, you know, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, I mean, I don't yeah. really mind game wardens showing up and doing their job. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, and as far as our rules, I mean, <clears throat> Washington State is incredibly liberal, dude. Like, we're super liberal <laughs> state. I mean, marijuana's legal here. We were, like, one of the first states that was recreational cannabis was legal. Uh you know, our, our, I mean, Oregon, like, I'm pretty sure you can do any drugs in Oregon now, if I saw that correctly, like, <laughs> I did live see on the that. West Coast, man, so pretty much, like, it's kind of chaotic out here, you know, um, 
You don't know if it's a man or a ma'am. You know, it's kind of <laughs> that just might be a 2021 thing. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But, um, no, Washington State's pretty cool, man. It's it's kind of bad as far as like rules and regulations. They don't really have the best rules and regulations. But for waterfowl hunting specifically, our rules and regulations are pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Other than our shooting times, because I think our shooting times are a little bogus. Yeah. But our limits, I can't complain, dude. We can shoot four Canadas, six snows, and ten specks per day per guy yeah. here. We can kill seven ducks. We can shoot. Oh, that's I think awesome. it's one pintail this year. That's a federal law, though. Yeah, yeah. And then one canvas back. Uh, you can only kill two hen mallards. Yep, um, same with us. You know, so really I can't complain about any of those rules because that's pretty easy stuff. And, and being able to kill 27 waterfowl birds a day, Yeah. like if, if the stars ever align, that's pretty cool. I've never had that. I've shot limits of Canada's snows and mallards at the same time, but I've never had... I mean, we've maybe killed 10 speckle bellies a year here. Yeah. They're just not here during our regular season. A ton of specks come through in August and September, and we have a two-day early goose season, but it says straight up that you can't kill speckle bellies. <laughs> it's only for snuggies, and guess what's always here right then? Specks. There's like <laughs> three fields with thousands, and those same three fields where all the canvas are going there's only like 200 local honkers in there and then you're getting bombarded by like 3,000 specs yeah and you're telling your clients like sorry guys we can't shoot these things we've got to watch them and then the worst part is when they all come in at the same time and so then you're like well we can't shoot because you guys aren't disciplined enough and you're going to shoot a bunch of specs and not canada's yeah and then we're going to be in trouble like so yeah i i love the early geese hunt but sometimes man the early geese are dumb but they're also incredibly smart sometimes and it's hard as hell to kill them yeah yeah we uh opening day man opening day of the regular season is always super fun for mm -hmm. me anyways yeah i uh so this year for our regulations we uh there's like a big survey that everyone can take for waterfowl hunting and there's a bunch of different regulations on if they want to switch them up and see kind of what the public has to say like we can maybe switch to an early teal season next year and then possibly hunt out of layout boats and stuff like that but one one of the ones that caught my eye was they call it the splash duck regulation and it's like yeah if you shoot um three ducks that you don't know like when they're coming in and then they splash and then you're like oh shit i shot two pintails instead of one but then that's illegal i don't i think that's one of the dumbest things that you can like make up because if you're gonna waterfall hunt you should know the species when they come in yeah like i I, it just blew my mind when they brought that up but yeah yeah that's a weird rule yeah, like, let's say you just go out and you're, you could just say, oh, I shot three pintails, when you know they were pintails, but you're like, oh, it's just part of my splash limit. I didn't realize that that's what it was when they came in. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that just, like, pretty much goes against everything you're even taught in safety to, like, identify your target before you shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, I don't know who... Uh, who thought that was a good one a good one to put on the ballot but hopefully hopefully that doesn't pass i don't know that's funny 
Yeah, like, yeah, I I just don't get it. Some some of the regulations here are a little a little goofy like that, but it, it's how it is. Just gotta live with it. Yeah, I want to get over that way and go do some bass fishing, man. That's like, yeah. When I'm not hunting, I'm chasing bass. I'd love to become a professional bass fisherman, like Mike Iaconelli and Kevin Van Dam. Yeah. Brandon Polinick, all those guys. Ski Reese, man, those guys are living the dream. Like this hunting thing's cool. But at the end of the day, I love catching smallmouth and largemouth bass. Like, that is my thing, dude. Seth Fighter, I would yeah. love to go fishing with that guy. I'd love to go duck hunting with that guy. That guy freaking uh, – do you know who that who that yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. That guy loves to duck and goose hunt, man. I would love to take that guy on a guided trip. That guy is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I just – I love watching those guys. Bass fishing is like – I don't know, man. Just where I get to escape – I feel like fishing is just super, super enjoyable for me. Hunting is too, but fish, what attracts me is that I can catch them, take a picture, and then throw them back. Yeah. And I don't have to clean them. I don't have to do anything. It's awesome. Yeah. Geese, you can't really shoot them and then let them fly away. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I love geese jerky and stuff, but uh, yeah. It's sometimes like everyone's like, oh, cool. Like I had a hunt on Thanksgiving. We shot like 100 some snows and 40 Canadas. And yeah. It was all cool until after the hunt when it's time to clean the bird, you know? Then it's not cool, and conveniently, that's when you tell who your real friends are because yeah. all these other guys are, oh, the game's on. I'll be inside. Let me know if you need any help. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got an excuse, and then it's like me and two guys out there breasting out 140 birds, and I'm just going, how is this? This is BS. This was my field, or, or we used all my decoys and all my shit, and you guys are making me clean all the birds? What the heck? Yeah. Uh, super fun. Yeah, dude. If you're ever, uh, if you ever want to come out to Minnesota, we got quite a few smallmouths I can get you after. We got. Uh, oh man, well I plan on it one of these times because don't you guys have a big game fair out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Trevor comes to the game fair and stuff, so maybe one of these times. Now that I got a different job, yeah, I'll be able to take some time off and come out there. That would be awesome. Yeah, dude. Because I mean, we got. Malax Lake, which is like oh yeah, no, I know. Mark. I watch that on TV, dude. That's like a dream of mine to go catch smallies out there. Yeah, it's it's a blast, and I got quite a few buddies that really know how to get fish. So come on out. That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, it's it's fun. I that's that's something fun that we like to do in the summertime too. Is just go go slay bass or walleyes or whatever it is. If my boat wasn't broken right now, I would be out there. <laughs> Not joking, dude. What, I, what happened to the boat? That's a great question. It's been at the dealership for like four months. I'm freaking pissed. Like, oh, geez. I've been waiting for this thing to get back and... They keep telling me, oh, well, we think it's this. And then they're like, oh, no, it's not that. And I'm like, okay, well, at this point, do I just need to go sink the damn thing and get a new one? Or what the heck is going on here? Because I'm like, nothing irritates me more. It's like, you guys can't fix it. Then just tell me because maybe someone else can. Because I'd really like to go fishing. The weather's pretty mild. Lakes aren't even froze. I mean, I have, I've had a deal where me and a couple other buddies have had a bet where we tried to catch a smallmouth every month of the year yeah and, and we've done it here oh so, wow. i mean it's cool when they don't freeze up and i mean i've caught smallies in 34 degree water yeah just blade baiting and uh you know that's the way to do it out here because we don't get the thick ice like you guys get yeah i mean we might be able to ice fish for like two or three weeks sometimes and then that's it we just don't really get the the ice doesn't get thick enough to even drive a car on. 
It's like, if you find six inch thick ice, that's pretty thick around here. Oh yeah, dude. We'll get like, shit, I mean, we'll get 24 inches of ice. And <laughs> That's just incredible to me, man. Three feet, four feet thick <laughs> yeah. lakes of ice. Two feet thick ice is yeah. insane. Oh yeah, like, for the guys, some of the guys, I mean, have just absolute flexed up rigs. I mean, you're talking 40 foot ice shacks that yeah, are literally dude, like houses a home. Out there. Yeah. yeah, there's friggin' houses. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Like you could, you could have no problem living in that thing all year round. They're insane. Like, yeah. But yeah, no. Ice fishing the first time I did it, it sketched me out. Well, because around here, like I said, the ice is not thick and it's pretty clear, so you can literally see. And I'm like, this is sketchy, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same boat as you. Like. If I if it's under six inches, I don't even bother. Well, the thing that sketched me out is like when it was there was only like two or three people ice fishing out there. It's not a big deal, but by like ten o'clock in the morning, there was probably thirty people out there, all in the same area, and they were all drilling holes everywhere, all around <laughs> them. And I'm going, okay, at some point there's going to be a crack that happens here if you drill a couple holes too close to each other and there's too many people standing in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't look very safe, so I got my couple perch and got the heck out of there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the nice thing about thick ice, too. I mean, we'll go out and drill, like, 50 to 100 holes just to find fish. And, yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about the ice breaking up or anything like that. Yep. Because, I mean, you got shit. If you got 20 inches of ice, you're going you're gonna to yeah, be totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, it's, some of these guys get so risky, like they'll be like two inches or an inch of ice and they'll be trying to get out there. And I'm like, nope, nope, not happening. I am not going. No, like, it's just... For a flipping perch, man? Come on. No, not worth it at all. <laughs> like, you're not going to see my white ass out there trying to no, slay fish no. in an inch, two inches of ice. Heck no. There's no need. But yeah. I Yeah, no, I love, I love ice fishing, but now... Now the coyotes are starting to get real, so gotta gotta grind those yep. out. Time to get that AR broken. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Got her dialed to like, uh, like two two fifty right now. So. Nice. Yeah. Just picked it up like a couple weeks ago. Hopefully, hopefully get it dialed into three hundred here pretty soon. Nice. Well, that'll be a sweet gun for you. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. Yeah. And with all. With all the fun going around in the country, might as well pick up an AR. Yeah, no, for sure. Pretty much buy whatever gun you can at this point. <laughs> and if you can find ammo. Oh, dude, it's that's terrible. That's the thing around here. It's incredibly hard to find ammunition right now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in the same boat. There's no ammunition anywhere. Luckily, one of the guys that, uh, that I know at a local gun shop, he always has a bunch like kind of sitting in the back and then if i need some i just kind of go talk to him about it and so kind of keeps a little stash for me back there you got that good secret relationship going perfect yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's none on the shelf but when i come in he's like oh yeah don't worry about it i got yeah, you got a couple of the back for yeah. you bud. perfect <laughs> but oh yeah it's it's fun but i don't know it's kind of a pain in the ass for everyone else yeah for sure it's incredibly difficult even just to find shotgun ammo right now. Yeah. I've had to be selling boxes of shells to clients lately because they come here expecting to go to Sportsman's Warehouse or Tri-State Outfitters, 
and they go there and like there's literally no ammunition oh no or they have six shot steel it's like that's not gonna knock down a big honker out here at all oh yeah i had uh i had a buddy that came down and hunted with us and he had a 20 gauge and we went out and looked for shells and dude there was it's literally five boxes and it's all like the stuff that's 50 bucks and i'm like well that's a shitty ordeal but <laughs> it's all we got yep <laughs> and so i don't know that's it's always fun luckily i bought a bunch early this year and don't have to worry about it but yeah, yeah hopefully something changes that'd be nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i couldn't agree more but yeah so you guys are uh Wrapping up the season here. How's the rest of the season going to look? Um, well, we got hunts tomorrow. Looking like we got hunts Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday. We'll just take those last two days and uh, probably have Mather come out from Slade and um, get any last-minute footage that we need because we have a deal with Browning now this year. Yeah, I don't know if Trevor that. told you about that or not, but we uh we're with browning now so like we'll finish up any films for the maxis 2 that we did or the a5 or just anything that browning needs and then um i like to just try to get a little commercial you know a little two minute video for my business too yeah if we can get a couple good goes on film and um yeah that's pretty much the plan for the rest of this season and then we'll go right there into snow season and then um you know be pulling pits at the same time and, and get all the pits out and then not talk about hunting for the next like four months and then once <laughs> august hits everyone will get here and um it'll be dove season in, in september and so we'll go right into doves and then uh you know yeah it'll be duck and goose all over again seems like it goes away and then it's here again before you know it and actually we have turkey coming up as well so Trevor will be chasing turkeys. I will hopefully be back in the woods chasing turkeys with my new job. I'll be allowed to actually take weekends off now. So Perfect. I used to be a big time turkey hunter. I mean, we used to guide for turkeys a lot and do all that. And, um, Trevor still does a little bit for us, and, uh, but it'll be nice to get back out there. I mean, I haven't killed a Tom in like six years now or five years. So it'll be freaking sweet because I love turkey hunting, man. That is so much fun. I mean, it's like the closest thing to bugling in an elk without being elk hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Calling in a big old tom. And sometimes, dude, I'm like, these are the dumbest birds in the world. And other days, I'm like, these are the smartest birds in the world. <laughs> Turkeys are just a weird animal, man. Oh, they're just, yeah, they're, they're fun to hunt. I mean, you talk about the big gobbles in the morning right at sunlight. God, just get your blood flowing. Yeah, or when you just fire up a chainsaw and they gobble, or you slam your truck door and they gobble, or you blow your goose call annoying and they gobble, or any sound that you make and they gobble, because yeah. they're weird. Uh, yeah, we had a, uh, this year's turkey hunt, some bitch and my gun jammed on the first shot. Thing ran away and then came back. Couldn't, was still just pissed off at the Jake decoy. And I was able yep. to lock it down, but I was like... Nice. I was like, huh, you really think about how mad these birds can really get. Yeah, man. Their hormones play pretty bad tricks on them when it's time to throw down and get with a girl. They get pretty dumb sometimes. Oh, exactly. Yeah, but hey, um, so yeah, we uh kind of running out of time here for that two-hour limit. This is when people usually like to finish off, but we crushed a bunch of stuff today, dude. 
That was awesome. Right on, man. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, if you're ever out in Washington, definitely hit me or Trevor up. And, uh, you know, everyone can look us up. Just Honk Stomper Guide Service on Instagram, Facebook. Um, You know, check out the Slade stuff. And and if I'm over that way, I'm definitely hitting you up for a fishing trip because that's where my real passion is when I'm not doing this. That's that's my next goal is to try to get somewhere with the bass fishing deal. So absolutely brother i appreciate you hopping on right on man well thanks for having me yeah you have a good one good luck the rest of the season all right bud you too all right see ya. Bye. and that wraps things up today for living the guide life with austin i mean what a great dude and what a great time to record with him just learn some more about um moses lake washington because i mean i dug into it with trevor just to really dig it dig deeper with austin and really learn about what it's like to run that guide service out there and things you have to remember sometimes on this is a business and you need to run it like a business so it's just really good to listen and hear about that hopefully this was able to help some of you the younger guys really thinking about hey i want to get into this guide service and how can i do that successfully and really what can i do to build this as a guide service to build my team and to be better and more successful so hope you guys learned some things and uh it was great talking to austin so hope you guys uh finish off this they finished off the season i think yesterday it was so had another great hunt and uh they had a great season so hope you guys enjoyed that and go check them out